God saw us involved in good works. He ordained that we would walk in good works and we would go around doing good just like Jesus did before the earth was even created. He saw you. He knew you. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. And welcome to Life Talk. This is Jeff Wickwire. And you know, the Bible says in Galatians 6 9, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't lose heart. As we learned in the last broadcast, Jesus was the forerunner of the race that we are in. He ran the first race and he ran it perfectly. Running any race requires endurance. And in the message today, I'm going to share how being weary is more than just being tired. It's a matter of losing the heart to do the work of the Lord. Many times because we don't see the fruit of our labor when we think that it should happen. However, we need to remember that God's timetable is not our timetable and we will reap if we don't faint. So I can't wait to share this message with you. Let's get right into the message for today. Last time, I talked about the necessity of enduring in the race we're in. This is a race of endurance. Now, let me just give you a little information real quickly. Here it is, that when you got saved, two things happened to you. One, you got drafted into a war. You may not know it, but you did. You got drafted into a spiritual war, and it's very intense. It's very real. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, and rulers of the darkness of this world. So we're in a war. We got drafted when we got saved. The second thing, we got put into a race. We were placed in a race. Drafted into a war, placed in a race. The racetrack is that narrow road that leads to life that Jesus talked about. Wide is the road that leads to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. But narrow is the road that leads to life, and few there be that find it. It's that narrow, constricted road that we're called to run in. That's the racetrack. And Jesus said, even though it's narrow and constricted, lo and behold, it leads to life. So we got drafted into a war and placed into a race. And that's why the writer of the Hebrews said in Hebrews 12 too, he said, So therefore, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. God is the one that set it before us. He's the one that gave us that racetrack. And Jesus was the first runner. He was the forerunner. He was the one that ran the race first, and he ran it perfectly without error. And when Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead, you know what he did? He handed all of his children the baton. So he ran around the race, and then he handed us the baton and said, now run the race that is set before you. Run the race that I ran. It's against the world, the flesh, and the devil. You're going to be running upstream, swimming upstream the whole time. But I'm going to grace you to make it 
You're only going to get stronger, and all the trials are only going to work for your good. So run that race and run it to win. We are to run to win. This is not a casual stroll in the park. It is a race. It is, a, it is not a hundred-yard dash. It's a marathon. It's a long-haul, lifelong race. The only time our race stops is when we die and we go to heaven or Jesus comes again and takes us there. But until then, we're in a war and we're in a race. And there's not a person in here who, who loves Jesus who is not in both. So every day you're going to fight and every day you're going to run. Run that race. Fight that battle. Now, to succeed in breaking the finish tape, to make it to the end, sometimes, church, we're going to have to bow our heads and lean into the wind, steal our resolve, and forge ahead, particularly, listen, particularly in times of adversity, weariness, or discouragement, which might happen to you about once a year. Now, we're to run, stay with it, don't get off the track, don't give up, don't pick up our marbles and go home, when results may be few. Even then, we should persevere still. That's when we should persevere the most. Trying times are the worst times to quit trying. Knowing the whole time that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. So Paul tells the Galatians, he says, be not weary in well-doing. I love this one reading. It says it this way. In fair doing, let us not show faint heart. In fair doing, don't show faint heart. Stay in that race. Keep fighting, keep running, keep running, keep fighting. The good fight and the good race. Now, this verse, this little brief verse is so powerful, I love it. Everybody, every believer ought to memorize it because every believer is going to need it. But it's really comprised of three parts. And let me tell you what the parts are. First, there is an exhortation. And if you've got something to write with, I would write this down. You're going to need it by tomorrow morning in rush hour traffic. <laughs> so here it is. There is first an exhortation. The exhortation is, let us not grow weary in doing good Another version say well-doing. But let us not grow weary in well-doing or doing good. That's the exhortation. Then there's a promise. The promise is in due season. You shall. Not maybe, not might, not perhaps so, not hope so. You shall reap. You shall reap. Everybody say I shall. I like I shalls. I like guarantees. And this is a guarantee. This is a guarantee that I will reap. And then there's a condition. And anytime you see an if in a promise from God, it's called a conditional promise. That means something depends on us for that promise to come to pass. So here's the condition to this promise. If you don't faint. So here's the guarantee. Don't grow weary in well-doing for it's a guarantee. You will reap. And here's the condition. If you faint not. You're going to be there to reap a harvest if you don't give up before the harvest comes. Don't walk out of the race. Don't get out of it. Don't stop fighting. Don't stay home. Don't get out of the Bible. Don't get out of prayer when you're just about to receive your harvest. Because you need to be there to receive it. Now, I want to deal with these three things one at a time. The exhortation, the promise, and the condition. So here's the exhortation. Let us not grow weary in doing 
good. Can we say that together? Let's not grow weary. In doing good. Now this verse really implies a person who is really excited about the things of God. They have been gloriously saved. And we know that for a fact because this is to the Galatians. And the Galatians, when Paul led them to Christ, man, they were excited about the things of God. They were running the race. Now later, Paul is going to tell them, you were running well. What happened to you? But right now, they're excited. Having been forgiven, having been saved, they have dived headfirst into the work of the Lord. They have dived headfirst. They're excited, so they're doing good. They are doing good. Let us not be weary in doing good. They're doing good everywhere they go. They're filled with zeal. They're excited about the Lord. They're enthusiastic about the things of God, just like you when you first got saved, and I hope you still are. It describes me when I first got saved, and I like to think it still describes me. They were filled with zeal, excited about the Lord, enthusiastic about the things of God. They were witnessing to everything that moved, and if it wasn't moving, they witnessed anyway. They ran everywhere, witnessing about Jesus, spreading good cheer in his name. They were all about doing good. Now, you know, when I say that, when I read that little phrase, doing good, I also am reminded that that's exactly what was said about Jesus. Exactly what was said about the Savior who lives in your heart. It was said about Jesus. He went about everywhere doing good. Listen to this. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good. And healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So doing good characterized the life of Jesus. Now, since he lives in us, shouldn't we be chips off the old block? Because what did Jesus do today? Well, he went about everywhere doing good. Well, what was the good that he did? He found people that were oppressed. He found people that were possessed. He found people that were down. He found people that were out. He found people that were discouraged. He found people that were sick. And he went about everywhere doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. That's what he was all about. Now some people, and you know some, and you used to be one, and so did I, who went about everywhere doing bad, everywhere doing wrong, everywhere causing trouble. But then we met a Savior who always went about everywhere doing good. And his spirit was put into our heart, and now it ought to characterize every believer in Jesus Christ that part of our life is we go about doing good. We like finding people who have needs and meeting them in the name of Jesus. You know, David wrote in Psalms 37, verse 3, he said, trust in the Lord and do good. Ephesians 2, verse 10. Go by memory there, I think I'm right. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And here's the real kicker, that God ordained that we would walk in before the worlds were created. God saw us involved in good works. He ordained that we would walk in good works, and we would go around doing good just like Jesus did Before the earth was even created, he saw you. He knew you. He knew your face. He knew your name. He knew your DNA. He knew your genetic code. He saw you. He knew you. And he said, I ordain that David, I ordain that Judy, I ordain that Jeff 
would be doing these good works in the name of the Lord. Now, let me just tell you this. Good works don't save you, but good works show you're saved. Good works don't save you, but good works testify you've met a Savior who did good. You might ask, now, Jeff, explain to me, what is doing good? Give me some examples. What does it mean, doing good? Because I'd like to do it if I knew what good was. Well, the Bible answers that even in the book of Galatians, where we got Galatians 6, 9. Galatians tells us all kinds of things that are doing good. Let me give you some. Sowing to the Spirit instead of to the flesh is doing good. Restoring a fallen brother or sister, Galatians 6, 1, is doing good. Bearing one another's burdens is doing good. Producing the fruit of the Spirit by walking with Jesus is also doing good. Jesus gave us many things. Telling others about Him, that's doing good. How about this? Visiting the imprisoned, praying for the sick, feeding the hungry, encouraging the weak, helping those who can't help themselves. All in the name of Jesus is doing good. You want to know how to get out of depression? Go find somebody that has a need and meet it. Get your eyes on somebody else. Because it's not all about you. It's all about him. And depressed people tend to think it's all about me. But it's not all about you. And one of the most therapeutic things you can do is go do good. I mean, it is life. I'm doing good right now, and I love it. It's like an injection of adrenaline for me. I mean, this is the gravy of ministry. The hard part is Monday through Friday. This is the gravy. And right now, I'm doing good. I'm sharing the Word of God with you. And I always leave floating after I've preached because I know that I've done good and you receive good and that's going to motivate you to go give away what you got. So we're to go do good. But now watch this. In all this doing good, Paul gives a warning. He said there's a danger in doing all this good. Here's the danger. Don't become weary. Watch out for weariness. Be wary of weary. Be wary of weary. Now, you're probably thinking like what I did when I first read this a long time ago. Well, of course I'm going to get weary doing the work of the Lord. I get weary all the time doing the work of the Lord, as in tired, as in I need to rest, I need to kick back and take... Even Jesus said to the disciples, come apart to a desert place for a little while and rest. Come apart and rest or you're going to come apart. But that is not what the word weary means in this verse. It doesn't mean just getting a little rest, catching a little sleep. Weary is from a Greek word meaning to lose heart or to faint within. It means you get a bad case of the quits. Weary means to lose heart. You have no more heart for doing good. Something has happened along the way. Remember, Paul said to the Galatians, you did run well. And then he said, what has happened to you? You ran the race well. What has derailed you? What's gotten you off track? What has happened to you? You were running well, Galatians. Actually, he put it this way. Who has bewitched you? Who has bewitched you that you don't run well anymore? You're not running like you used to. What's happened to you? I wonder how many of us could say that to ourselves. When you first got saved, you were running well. I've seen a lot of people start well, start strong. I mean, they are running well. And then something happens along the way. Something that that caused them to lose heart. Discouragement, disillusionment, getting jaded, getting cynical. 
Something comes into their life and they get tired, but not tired as in a new little sleep, but they get weary, the word used in Galatians 6, 9, and they lose heart. They're no longer into it. The Bible warns. Jesus said, for instance, men ought always to pray and not faint. Same word. You should pray, but never lose heart in your praying. Paul had a glorious testimony of the church. Paul said to the church, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. He said, we're not fainters. We're not burned out. We burn on. Even though I am in stone, I have been whipped, I have been persecuted, I've been lied about, I've been vilified, I've been demonized, I've been cast out, I've been rejected, I have no friends, I'm lonely, I've been lost at sea, lost in the ocean waters. He said all these things have happened and even in the midst of all of that, I have not lost heart. I'm burning on. He said again, 2 Corinthians 4.16, therefore, we don't faint. But though the outer man is decaying, our inner man is renewed day by day. So he said, I've got a secret. I'm going to share with you that secret in this message. He said, I've got a secret for how to keep on keeping on genuinely in my spirit man, where my spirit man, my soul, doesn't faint. I don't lose heart. I don't check out. I don't say, I've had all this fun I can stand. See you later. I stay in the race and I stay in the fight. And I'm going to go all the way to the end. That's why Paul could say at the end, I fought the good fight. I finished my race and I kept the faith and I didn't faint. The weary person that Paul is talking about in Galatians 6, 9 is one who has been fully engaged in the work of the Lord and all of a sudden they have no heart for it. They become weak. They become tired. They become discouraged, and they're tempted to quit. They've lost their endurance. They've lost their perseverance. They've lost their enthusiasm for the Lord's work. I had a lady come up to me some time ago, and she said something to me that I think she thought was a backhanded criticism. But for me, it became this huge compliment. She had been in my ministry years before. She said to me, Jeff Wickwire. She's shaking her head like this. Jeff Wickwire. Still doing the same old thing talking about preaching, ministering. And at first I went, huh? And I realized she meant that as a criticism. Like, haven't you found something else to do yet? You're still doing the same thing you were before. And then I thought, thank you. You didn't mean it this way, but it's a compliment for me. Because yes, I'm still doing the same old thing. I'm still preaching. I'm still teaching. I'm still ministering. And I hope to be doing that 10 years from now, 20 years from now. I started when I was 18, and I want to fight a good fight. I want to finish my race, and I want to keep the faith, and I want to be doing the same old thing. I like this old thing. I wish that I could say over all of you, 20 years from now, tsk, tsk, you're still doing the same old thing, still going to church, still reading your Bible, still praying, still talking about Jesus. (laughs) I don't know where she is right now, but I don't think it's any place good. (laughs) But see, I haven't burned out. Oh, could I have? Oh, yes. Do I fight it sometimes? You better believe it. But I have a key. I have a secret. I'm going to tell it to you. Hebrews describes this fainting spirit metaphorically this way. Tired hands and shaky feet. Hebrews 12, 12. You know what it looks like? 
This weariness I'm talking about, that Paul talked about, sulking shoulders, drooping countenance, dragging feet, listless gait. This is the weariness that Paul warns against. You walk into church like this, you better preach me up, brother. I'm down. I want to give you a key where you walk in with your head held high, and you've already had a great week in Jesus, and you're just going to add to it here. So let's talk about these three things. First, first one we've already mentioned. Don't grow weary. Don't faint. Don't give up. But look what he says. What has brought them to this place of weariness? Because he tells us in the same verse, what did this to them? Here's what he said. For in due season, you will reap. In due season, you will reap. He said, well, Jeff, how does that explain to us what got them weary? Ah, it's all about timing. It's all about timing. In due season. He was talking to the Galatians who had quit running their race well. You did run well. What's happened to you? Who has bewitched you? Apparently, they were struggling with a timing issue because that's what he talked about in the middle of the verse. The due season. He's talking about timing. They were dealing with their timetable versus God's timetable. They were fainting within. Watch this, because some of you are right here. They were fainting within because the results they were expecting weren't happening when they thought they would and when they thought they should. It was a timing issue. Their season, their timing had not been God's timing. You ever experienced that yourself? How many of you are there right now? You think Abraham wasn't there? Hey, Lord, I'm 100. Have you looked at the wife lately? She's 90. And you promised us a child, and I don't get it. Because, see, whenever we get a promise from God, here's what we do. We're not aware that we do it, but we do it. We have inside of ourselves a calendar, a time clock, a timer. And we get this promise from God, and we immediately think, well, it's going to take place within this amount of time. By the time this much time goes by, I'm going to have it. And we don't know. It's a subconscious thing. But it happens every time. So God says, I'm going to do this with you, that with you. You're going to have this ministry, that ministry. Or you're going to have meet this person or that person or this business or this kind of raise. or the, Something God promises and we immediately attach a timer to it. It's in the back of our minds. Abraham did. We know that he did. Because even when he was in his 70s, he looked at his watch and checked it out. And Sarah said, look, this ain't happening. Why don't you go and marry my handmaid, Hagar, And let's get a child some way because this is not happening. What was she saying? My timer has started buzzing and nothing's happening. So I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And that's what got them into all their trouble and rocks our world today. I love it that it said Abraham and Sarah both laughed when God said, Hey, I'm going to give you a child in your old age. God said, You laughed. Sarah said, I didn't laugh. God said, Ah, but you did laugh. It was the laugh of incredulity. It was the laugh of unbelief. Hi, this is Jeff Wickwire, and thanks so much for being with us today. And I want to encourage you to join us next time as we conclude the message on Faint Not. We're going to be looking at both the promise and the condition found in Galatians 6, verse 9, for finishing the race without fainting. Until next time, God bless and have a great day. Hi, 
Hi, this is Pastor Jeff. You know, at Life Talk, we want to stay connected with you and help equip and encourage you in your walk with the Lord. If you'd like to receive e-devotionals and ministry updates from me, go online to lifetalkradio.us and sign up to receive this exclusive Life Talk listener email. When you sign up for the first time, we'll send you a free resource as a thank you for being a devoted Life Talk listener. So go to lifetalkradio.us and sign up for a free e-devotional today. Faint Not is a third message of Pastor Jeff's series, The Race. You can own a copy of this six-CD set for just $30 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, The Race, for only $30 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast.